just magnify you and your holy name today. And that, God, that we are able to step into this sanctuary, God, and, and have an encounter with you, with your spirit, with your word, with your peace. And so, God, right now, I just ask that, God, that, Lord, that as your name is lifted up, as your name is magnified by us, oh, that, Lord, that we will be reminded that, God, oh, that you not only surround us, but, God, that you are within us, and that, God, that you are a Lord and King of who we are right now. And so, God, we just give you everything within us. We give you our mind. We give you our heart. We give you our desires. We give you our intention. God, we give everything of ourselves to you and we yield so that you can make the way where there doesn't seem to be a way, God, right now. Because you are healer. You are deliverer. You are sovereign. You are Lord. You are creator. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the Rose of Sharon. You are the Lily of the Valley. You are the Lion of Judah. You are the Passover Lamb. You are the light in the middle of the darkness. God, you are the great I Am. And we declare your name in this place, in this place this morning, God. Oh, the Lord, there is nothing else that reigns greater within us than the name of Jesus this morning. The name of Jesus today. We declare Jesus in Chris Little's life. We declare the name of Jesus in Blaine Wood's life. We declare the name of Jesus in Sheila Moncrief and Jamie Moncrief and Tommy McGee and George Mackinson. We declare the name of Jesus in Shelly Cash and Angela Scoggins today. We declare the name of Jesus today. Hallelujah! temple. 
and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, he went out into, went out of the city. God, I thank you and I praise you for your word. And that God, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And that God, that as we open our hearts and minds to hear from you, that God, that we will receive your word today. God, as you encourage us, as you challenge us, as you mold us into the believers and the followers of Christ that you would have us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Home. It's good to be in our church home for the first time in 2021. Amen. Home is always an interesting thought and concept, especially for someone like me. Uh, for those of you who know, I grew up as a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force for 20, almost 27 years. And in that time frame, we lived all over the world, literally. You could count on about every three years or so, we would be moving, some less than that even. And, and so out of that, I would be asked the question... Where are you from? And in a military community, there was some understanding of what that question meant. But outside of the military family or military community, um, I really didn't know what to say because, uh, because of just being from, uh, having lived everywhere. And so usually my answer was when people asked me, where are you from? I would say, I'm from everywhere. And uh, people would look at me strange, and then I'd kind of give a little bit more of a further explanation as to why I said that. But one of the interesting things about growing up in the military is that when you think about home or the home that I grew up in, I obviously grew up in multiple homes, and my parents didn't own any of them. We grew up, I lived in, in different homes and different houses that belonged to the military, belonged to the government. We lived in base housing. We lived in uh, apartments or places that the government uh, paid for. And so it was out of that and I developed this idea, this concept that home really wasn't about the brick and mortar that I grew up in. But home was literally wherever my family was living at the time. And so that home became, whether we owned the home or not, I always called it, of course, my home, my house. This is where, not just where I live, but this is my home. And, and for however long it was, I embraced that home as the fullness, as if I had always lived there to the best that I could. And so home became not defined by what I had all these memories in. Home didn't become defined by an address or a street, but it became defined by where it was that my family lived. 
It is with that understanding and that idea and that concept that as, uh, as we enter into 2021, we have to ask ourselves, oh, what is defined as home for us? And I'm not just, some of you are blessed. Maybe you have lived in the same home all of your life. Or maybe you've lived in, in this, the house that you live in now for maybe for decades. Uh, you have a place that you can call home. And that is wonderful with regards to your physical home. But what about your your spiritual home. You see, our spiritual home that we identify with as, as church, that we identify if you're part of the Livonia Church of God family, whether you are in the building, whether you are watching online, it, it doesn't matter in that sense of, of that kind of physical location, but we identify our home, our spiritual home, our church home as where our family is. It is with that understanding that I, uh, I come to you and uh, Pastor Zach uh, led it, uh, shared it last this past Sunday that as we have been praying about a word for the year, for this coming year, uh, that I felt very distinctly and very uh, much led by the Lord that our word for the church, for Livonia Church of God for 2021 is family. Family. Family is more than just bloodlines. Family is more than just uh, maybe who we live under the same roof with when we go to sleep. But family, and specifically church family, becomes who we are in this journey, this race of faith together with that we can uh, cheer each other on, pray for one another, encourage one another, mourn with one another, pray for one another, worship together, and that we can be able to know that we are not alone in this journey of faith. And so home, family, those are things that we think about when we talk about those things. And it's interesting when we begin to ask ourselves, how does God define home? Jesus references Isaiah in, this, in our text this morning. I want to look at Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. And this is what he says. This is what God says in terms of home. He says, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem, and I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. Let me pause right there. Our word last year was what? Joy. joy. We choose joy even in the adverse circumstances. And so that joy, that I will fill them with joy. Where? In my house of prayer. I will fill them. You, me, his people. I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. And I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices. Because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. There's a lot of things that God could have said. He could have said, I will fill them with joy in my house of worship. But he didn't say that. He could have said, I will fill them with joy in my house of preaching. But he didn't say that. He could have said, I will fill them with joy in my house of sacrifice. But he didn't say that. 
Does it mean that those things were not a part of the temple? Does it mean that they're not a part of our current church model? Oh, but what we realize is that it's not about preaching. It's not about teaching. It's not about singing. It's not even ultimately about worship. But how God defines home is ultimately coming to this place that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. In our text this morning. We see a very different picture of Jesus than we're used to. I mean, think about this. We see a lot of pictures of Jesus in Scripture, don't we? I mean, we see the pictures of him on the cross. We see him as the good shepherd. And, and we have this mental image of Jesus carrying the, the lamb upon his shoulders. We see him gently leading and nudging and, and, and feeding and, and directing us as his sheep. We see Jesus at the woman at the well with grace and compassion and truth. We see a lot of pictures of Jesus. But this text, this scene is one of the strangest oddest pictures of Jesus that we can ever come across. He walks in to the temple and all of a sudden he begins to get rough. He gets physical. In some attempts we would say he got violent. He overthrew the tables. He began to rebuke the people and he told them to get out of his house, his father's house. We see him doing this. He did not have a security force. He didn't have any armed guards. And in fact, if we know anything else about the disciples, we understand that the disciples are very weak need in everything that they've done with Jesus. And so we can pretty much say with certainty that it was not the disciples who were helping Jesus throw over the tables in the temple. This was Jesus by himself making a stand. This is Jesus by himself uh, being able to come in and rebuke the wrongdoing. Now it's interesting, this is not, I will say, the first time that we see Jesus doing this. Notice the context and the timing of where Mark chapter 11 takes place. It takes place in the final week leading up to the crucifixion. It's after Palm Sunday. When you read Matthew's account of this in Matthew 21, we find the same, it's, the, it's this telling of the same event uh, of, the, of the of Passion Week, of Crucifixion Week. But when we look in the book of John, in John chapter 2, what we find in John chapter 2 is something very similar happening. Jesus has just begun his ministry. Uh, uh, Jesus has just begun his ministry. He's been baptized. He has called the disciples, and he has just performed the first miracle. He turned water into wine. And, and right after that, it says that he goes to the temple, and he begins to overthrow the money changers and the merchants in the temple. This is the very first time beginning his ministry that he goes into the tabernacle, goes into the temple, and he's doing something that is very similar to what we read about the last week of his earthly life before the crucifixion. And not only in this time, in John chapter 2, he forms a whip or a cord, uh, uh, this whip that he goes, he fashions, and he, I mean, he doesn't just overthrow tables, but he starts using this whip to be able to get their attention, to get them and to drive them out of the temple. So Jesus, his first week of ministry, he cleanses the temple. His last week of ministry, 
He cleanses the temple. And all of a sudden, we have to begin to ask ourselves, why? Now, we read this, and we may interpret it in our own context with regards to uh, these events as to what the offense was of these people in the temple. But what I want us to understand is that these people were exactly where they were supposed to be. Part of what's so interesting about this story is that they belonged there. The people that were selling, the people that were exchanging currency, were a part of a necessary system for the people to be obedient to the law of Moses and to God's law. You see, if you were most of the people that came to Jerusalem for sacrifice, they traveled great distances. And as they traveled these distances, it was not feasible for them to bring their burnt offering with them. And so what was customary, and in fact, even within the temple system, they had their own shepherd that raised and grew or, or was able to raise the flocks that they were needed for the people to be able to make the burnt offerings. And so these merchants, these sellers, they were there because if you were going to go to the temple, you would, what would be customary, especially if you had to travel a long distance, was you would go with enough money so that you could buy your offering from one of these vendors, and then you would be able to go and to make your sacrifice, your offering before the Lord. Not only that, but if you are a good Jew that follows the law of Moses, you're going to go and you're going to pay your temple tax. You're going to go and to give not just your burnt offering, but you're going to go and give of your finances. But when you go, don't take your Greek money or your Roman money, whatever currency you might have from wherever you have traveled from. You must have the special coins that were minted there in Jerusalem that they had to use to pay the temple tax. So the money exchangers, guess what? They filled that role. So the people that you would be able to come and you would bring your, your, your money from Macedonia or wherever you had traveled from and that you would exchange that money to get the right currency to be able to give to the Lord as the word of God commanded you. So the people that Jesus is driving out both at the beginning of his ministry and here in Mark chapter 11 at the end of his ministry, they are exactly where they're supposed to be. So what's the problem? You see, they may have been where they were supposed to be, but they didn't have the spirit that they were supposed to have. Because all of a sudden, they were in both the selling of the offerings and in the money exchanging, they were overcharging, they were stuffing their own pockets, and they were making hand over fist a multitude of money at the people's expense. They were in the temple, but they didn't have the spirit of the temple. And it is here that we begin to realize that, oh, that all of a sudden, what it is that we even begin to ask ourselves, are we where we are supposed to be? My hope and prayer for every single one of us is that we are right before God, that we are physically where we are, whether that's in the building, whether that's watching at home to stay safe, whatever our situation might be, that we are where we are supposed to be. Yes. 
But more importantly, what is our spirit with which we approach God and his service? Do we come in with the spirit of God within our lives? Do we come in, though, instead with carnal minds, carnal spirits? You see the, the people that, were, that Jesus is driving out. They were there. They were supposed to assist people in worshiping God. They were there to be able to help people to come into the presence of God. Oh, but they were out of sync with what God had intended. And because they were out of sync, all of a sudden we see their greed. We see their ambition. We see their carnal minds. And in the middle of all that, what they have done is they have brought something secular into something that is sacred and what we have to remember this morning in that all that we do and in everything that we do oh in church in service and in pursuing God that we do not bring the secular into replacing the sacred in anything that we do that we maintain a sacredness and what that becomes defined as is not legalism. It is not defined as anything that is man-made. Oh, but it becomes defined as having the spirit of God that is upon us and that we say, God, oh, let me encounter you and let me be a part of helping others encounter you. Let me have a heart to be able to reach those that are lost and without God. Amen. See, Jesus calls them out. He says, you have made my house of prayer into a den of thieves. You are taking advantage of the people. And he tells them to get out. If Jesus were to walk into our lives today, how would he react? Would he react the same way? Not because, well, I hope, not because we would desire to be dishonest or cheating people or anything like that. But because we as individuals maybe sometimes do not live and operate in the spirit of God. We have to do God's work with God's spirit. And that applies to whether you are standing in a pulpit like myself as pastor. Whether you're leading worship. Whether you're sitting in a pew, following him, and saying, God, I want to be able to be used by you. And I want to do it with your spirit. I want to do it with your love. I want to do it with your truth. I want to do it with your compassion. Because one day, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to have to stand before God. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to stand before God, and he's not going to be able to necessarily uh, get into this long list of, oh, you are the pastor at Livonia Church of God. Kudos to you. But rather, God is going to be able to have to ask me, why did you pastor Livonia Church of God? With what spirit did you pastor the Livonia Church of God? My hope, my humble prayer, is that in everything that I do as pastor, that it comes out of and is led by the Spirit of God. And his Holy Ghost that moves and leads and directs. 
Oh, because if I ever stop doing that, then I will find myself being guilty of the exact same thing. Oh, that those that were selling the burnt offerings and the money changers, I will find myself in Mark chapter 11 on the wrong side of this story. And it's not just me. He will ask every single one of us if we're singing. Oh, what are we singing for? If we're teaching, what are we teaching for? Why? What is our heartbeat? Oh, if we're reading our Bibles, if we're praying even in service to God, what is our motivation? Are we doing it because it's a checklist? Are we doing it because we think we have to and we're going to feel condemned if we don't? Oh, or are we doing it because we have a hunger and a thirst for more of God in every area of our life? Let us be led by the Spirit of God. Everything that we do, let us be led by the Spirit. And so Jesus reminds them. It's not my house. It's not even your house. He says it's the Father's house. And because it's the Father's house... It has to be run in the Father's way. It has to be run in the Father's way. You see, because I think every single one of us, as we begin 2021, have to ask ourselves, What is our heart? What is our mindset in serving the Lord? Jesus did not originate the accusation of turning the Father's house into a den of thieves. But in Jeremiah chapter 7, we find this accusation beginning in verse 8 against the people. It says, don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here. Let me pause right here. Don't be fooled. I'm going to put this in my own context. This is the gospel according to Adam via Jeremiah. Don't be fooled into thinking that you as Christians will never suffer because we are able to assemble in the sanctuary of God. Don't be fooled into thinking that. Just because the church exists and just because we are able to gather in the church does not exclude us from being uh, submitted or subjected to suffering. God says right there, the end of verse 8, it's a lie. That is a lie. Go on to verse 9. Do you really think that you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, and burn incense to Baal? And all of those other new gods. What are the new gods in your life? Who are the new gods? What are the new gods? What are those things that stand in between us and Jehovah? Because those are the things that God is calling out here. To my knowledge, I don't know anyone in the room that is saying prayers to Baal, but unfortunately, 
We heard that declared in our U.S. Capitol this past weekend. If you don't know, that was who the prayer was uttered to, was a Hindu god. So do not think that idolatry, idolatrous worship is something that is of the past or does not exist in America or does not exist even within church people's lives because we make idols out of things every single day. Don't come here and say, and say all of, having committed all of those things, he says in verse 10, and then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant, we are safe. Only to go right back to all of those same evils again. Don't you yourselves admit that this temple, which bears my name, has become a den of for surely I see all the evil that is going on, and I, the Lord, have spoken. As the Lord examines every single one of our lives, don't let us fall into the trap of thinking, oh, uh, we're not abusing uh, people in terms of money exchanging or, or overcharging uh, you know, selling things for an unreasonable amount. Oh, but rather, let us be able to come before God and say, have we turned something sacred into something secular? Are we approaching our Christianity and making it into something that it should not be? Or are we making a stand on God and His Word and saying, this is the truth that I live by, and it is the Spirit of God that leads me, and it is the Spirit of God that compels me. Oh, because I want to be able to oh, come into my father's house and I don't want to make it a den of thieves I don't want to make it a mockery oh but I want it to be a house of prayer I want it to be a house where the aroma of God and his presence and his glory dwells I want to be able to come into my father's house and it be a house of prayer what is it that distinguishes Christianity and Christian people and Christian churches hold from anything else in this world. It is the aroma and the atmosphere of genuine, sincere prayer and worship to God. You see, in the temple... They had music. They had reading of God's word. Jesus himself participated in that. There was preaching. But he declared that his house was going to be a house of prayer. So God's work, God's church, God's people. If that's how God is defining home, if that is how God is defining the home that is his house, then if we are his children, we are part of his family, then how must we also be defined? Then we must be defined as people of prayer, as people who come and carry and have the aroma of prayer upon us because we always need the aroma of prayer. Jesus died and was resurrected and he ascended back to heaven. 
He gave birth to the Christian church. You ever really thought about how Jesus went about creating the early church? How did that same church that Jesus declared to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That church. How did Jesus establish that church? He told his followers to go to Jerusalem and to have a tent revival, call in the biggest evangelist prior to Billy Graham. Is that what he said? No, he didn't say that. Did he say, assemble the best choir you've ever heard? No. He said, go to the upper room. Pray and wait. And so for ten days, ten days, we can't pray more than ten minutes without falling asleep. But those early believers, they go to Jerusalem and they pray for 10 days. They seek God. They pray. They worship. They wait. And they spent that time having a heart of communion with, the God, with God, with God the Father. They go and they have this, oh, this submitting of themselves, this yielding of themselves, drawing close to God. And it's out of that, oh, that God pours out his spirit and revival begins. And the New Testament church rises up and is birthed. How? Because of prayer. Because the disciples, the disciples followed the command of Jesus and they went and they prayed. Couple chapters later, Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they get arrested, slapped around a little bit, and said, Don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. What does the church do? I can tell you what they didn't do. They didn't protest, they didn't storm the Capitol. They didn't go file a lawsuit. They didn't go all the way to the Supreme Court. They didn't do any of those kinds of things. But what the church does is they get real with God and they begin to pray maybe like they've never prayed before. And it is in the middle of that, in that heartbeat of prayer of the New Testament church, in the middle of a prayer meeting that God all of a sudden releases Peter and John. And guess what they do? They keep preaching Jesus. They keep being obedient to the gospel. And what we see in the middle of this. Hear my heart, church. What we see in the middle of all this is the model of what God expects and commands us to do. Are you persecuted? Then begin to pray. Are you feeling like you're in trouble? Then pray like you've never prayed before. Are you being threatened? Oh, then begin to pray. Because 
The enemy wants you to think that you're surrounded. Oh, but God declares, I'm the one that's surrounding you. You see, in the middle of all of this, you see, if you start feeling intimidated, oh, just begin to pray. If you start being challenged by the enemy, oh, just begin to pray. If all of a sudden you realize, oh, that you are discouraged in the middle of your circumstances, just get on your knees and begin to pray and declare not just for the Father's house to be a house of prayer, but allow your life, your heartbeat to be a vessel of prayer. Why? Because one of the genius oh, elements and one of the brilliant moments oh, that we recognize is that in the New Testament church, we don't have to go to the Holy of Holies to encounter the presence of God. Oh, but we, oh, are the vessels of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that if we will allow these vessels, these places, oh, to be an atmosphere, an aroma, and a house of prayer, it will be there. Then it doesn't matter what persecution, what depression, what discouragement, what ailment, oh, whatever it may be that comes against you, you will find a breakthrough because God has done it time and time again. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he he will be faithful to deliver you. Prayer. I know it seems so simple. Pastor, we've heard this all our lives. If we've heard it all our lives, then why aren't we doing better at it? said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he was proud of that. But he said, if I don't have love, then who am I? He also said this. He's talking to Timothy. And he's giving Timothy this guidance about the New Testament church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says this. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. First. First of all. First of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. He doesn't say pray for the people that you like. He doesn't say, pray fiery darts on your enemies. He says, pray for all people and pray that God will help them. He says, intercede on their behalf. And give thanks. Give thanks. For who? For all people. Bless those who curse you. How do you deal with those offenses? How do you deal with those hurts? How do you deal with those frustrations? God's word is very clear. Pray for them. Give thanks for them. Bless them. Verse 2. Pray. This way. 
Oh, here we go, church. I'm going to change it to the American terminology. Pray this way for all presidents, for all leaders, for all who are in authority. Why? So that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. I wish people had heard this message a week ago. Amen? Amen. That we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Because this is good. And it pleases God. First of all, church, pray. Pray for all people. Intercede for them. Give thanks for them. That is what defines the New Testament church. And as God's word declares, that is the sign of the Christian church at Livonia, Georgia. As the musicians come this morning. The story of the church. We see it begin in the New Testament. We see it continue. That whenever things get difficult, whenever things get worldly, God sends a revival. Not God uses men and women. God uses people, yes. But he doesn't begin or send a revival simply because of those preachers or those singers. But he does it through prayer. When Moody, D.L. Moody, began to travel across England and revival began to break out, what happened? The church began to pray like it's never prayed before. When the Great Awakening began in America, oh yes, Jonathan Edwards was the preacher or one of those preachers. But it didn't happen just because of him. It happened because God's people were praying and they were called to prayer and they answered that call. One of the things that I learned that when we were able to go down to Brownsville and they had their great revival that lasted for years. Yes, there was an evangelist. But the revival didn't happen because of the evangelist. Father's Day 1995, revival poured out because the people at Brownsville Assembly of God were praying like they had never prayed before. And so we here at Livonia Church of God, we can sit around and say, God, oh, you're doing something. And we're right. God, you're up to something. And we're right. But as pastor of Livonia Church of God, I can go ahead and tell you, I don't want to be on the sidelines watching what God is in the middle of doing. And if I don't want to be on the sidelines, that means I've got to get on the field. I've got to get in the game. And if I'm going to get in the game, it means that I've got to begin allowing this vessel to have an aroma of prayer. 
that if we as a church are going to be a part of God's move, then we've got to say, let this be a house of prayer. The scene that we see in Revelations, we see the elders gathered around the throne and they're bowing before Jesus. Do you know what those elders have? Those elders have bowls. And it says in those bowls is the aroma and the prayers of the saints. And so what that tells me is this. That when we get real in our prayers, that when we get down to business with God in our prayer life, that God values those prayers enough that they collect. That they collect in heaven, in these bowls. So that when we see this picture of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, the prayers of the saints are helping create the aroma of worship. The prayers of the saints, your prayers, my prayers are being poured out at the feet of the Father. Oh, that our prayers are valued so much by God. Oh, that he collects them in these bowls in heaven around the throne. And I don't know about you. Oh, but I need to be able to say, God, oh, I'm not interested in prayer being legalistic. I'm not interested in, in being dogmatic. Oh, but what I am interested in is having such an encounter in my prayer closet. Oh, that there are bowls and bowls and bowls of our prayers, of my prayers. Oh, that are collecting in the throne room of God so that when, oh, God pours out his spirits I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready hallelujah if you would stand with me this morning we have an evangelist coming on January the 24th Two weeks from today. Evangelist Bill Lee was with us last year for our Breakthrough Sunday. And I'm believing for an incredible Breakthrough Sunday again this year. But guess what? I'm not waiting until the 24th. I'm ready now. And in the middle of our season of prayer and fasting, let us follow through. Let us answer the call of what Hebrews 4 tells us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. So that we can obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. And so this morning, not only do I call us to prayer today. throughout the rest of the month of January. Every Monday, this sanctuary will be open for prayer. And from 6.30 to 7, every Monday evening, I will be leading corporate prayer. If you want, I, I call you and I encourage you to come and to join us. 
If you can't be here from 6.30 to 7, come any other time. Make this house a house of prayer. Make this house a house of prayer. If you will, I want you to begin by calling on God right now. Whether that's finding a, a safe distance spot in this altar, whether that's finding a safe distance spot on the front pew, whether that's turning and kneeling and making an altar at your seat, wherever it may be that you are able to, I want us to close this service by answering the call by, by going to the Lord in sincere prayer. Praying for all people. Praying for one another. Praying for those needs that you know of in your life and those that you don't know of. God does. So as I begin to pray, will you just step out? Will you just join me as we enter this call to prayer? God, I thank you and I praise you. Oh, that Lord, that you have declared your house to be a house of prayer. And that God, we know the cliche that God, that the family that prays together stays together. And God, that is applying to not just our physical family, but God, it applies to us as a church family. And so, God, we answer the call. And we say, God, oh, we need you. We love you. We declare your goodness. We declare your grace. We declare your power. We declare, God, you and you alone, God. We intercede and we stand in the gap, God. Oh, Lord, for those that are needing, oh, that need your hope and that need your truth. God, we intercede for those that are away from you. God, call them. Let them hear your voice. Let them know that, God, that you are with them. That you love them. Oh, God, we answer the call to prayer. God, we need you. We need your touch. We need your hand. That, God, that oh, we are able to come and that we are able to surrender everything to you. And that, God, that we're able to say, God, let your hand, let your house, oh, Lord, be it filled with the aroma of prayer. God, we intercede. God, we pray right now, God, for our community. We pray for Franklin County and Stevens County and Hart County, God, and, 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 and Anderson County, God. And, Lord, we pray for our entire area, our region, our community, that, God, that we will have a burden and a heartbeat, God, for more of you, for more of your glory, for more of your presence, God. Oh, that, Jesus, we need to hear you. We need to hear your voice. And so that, God, that means that we're getting into our prayer closet. It means that, God, that we're getting into and serious and down to business with you, God, and knowing that, God, that you and that you alone, God, are that one who live, who is present, who is hearing our prayers, God. We know that this day and age is not, oh, we can't just go through just the routine or patty cake kind of praying. Oh, God, and so, Lord, we're, God, we're approaching you with boldness. We're approaching you, declaring that, God, we need you. We need your spirit. We need your healing, God. Lord, I pray for our nation this morning. That, God, that, Lord, that you will touch us. 
That God, that you will just move from one coast to the other. That God, that you will bring, oh Lord, about a revival as we turn our hearts to you and you begin that revival with us within the church as believers. That God, we say, pour out your spirit in such a way that no man is able to get credit. That God, pour out your spirit so there is no doubt that God, that you are sovereign. Oh Lord, I pray and I stand in the gap. God, let there be such an outpouring that God that those that are lost and away from you cannot help but surrender their lives, cannot help but be oh, find breakthrough in their addictions, find breakthrough in their sins, find breakthrough in temptations, God find breakthrough, God, and find deliverance in the name of Jesus Hallelujah Hallelujah Glory to you, Jesus Keep pressing in, church. Pray. 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 Oh, God, let each and every one of us here this morning, whether we are in the room or whether we're watching online, God, let us be vessels of prayer. Let there be an aroma of prayer that emanates out of us, God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need you. First of all, first and foremost, we need you. And we answer your call to pray. We pray, God. We pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, we love you. We need you. God, pour out your spirit. Encourage, God, those that are discouraged. God, you see those that, God, that are discouraged in the middle of their dealing with depression or discouraged and loneliness, discouraged in, in circumstances, God. And I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, that, God, that your spirit will be poured out a double portion of your anointing, of your strength, of your grace, of your mercy, of your joy, God. Bind us as a family of God. Bind us closer together now than ever before, Lord. Jesus. 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 God, we love you. God, we call upon the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Glory to you, God. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, we rebuke COVID in the name of Jesus. God, defeat and get rid of this virus. Get rid of the fear that has come out of it. Get rid of the loneliness and the isolation that has come out of it. God, I pray that you will just go through every single hospital right now and you will heal every life, every body, every person, God. Oh, heal them in the name of Jesus. Let there be such a miraculous recovery that doctors cannot explain it. Oh, but we can say Jesus. Jesus. God, we come against the name of cancer. God, I pray that you will just kill cancer cells. God, not just in George Mackinson, but God in every individual that is battling cancer. God, strengthen.
strike it down now in the name of Jesus. We stand firm. God, in you, in your name, in the name of healer, in the name of deliverer, in the name of the provider, God, that is who you are. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Church, when you don't know what else to pray, just declare the name of Jesus. Just declare who he is. Begin to praise him in advance for answering your prayers. Glory, glory to you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We magnify you, God. We glorify you, Lord. We give everything to you, Jesus. Everything to you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. God, we love you. We praise you, God. God, I pray, oh, Lord, for every leader in this country. God, I pray for President-elect Biden. God, I pray that you will give him wisdom. I pray that you will direct his heart just as your word declares. You direct the paths of waterways. You direct the hearts of kings and leaders. And so let it be so for President-elect Biden right now. God, I pray for President Trump that God, that you will touch him from head to toe, body, soul, and spirit, God, move in a supernatural way in his life right now. God, I pray for every congressional leader, every senate leader. God, I pray for our governor. I pray for our state legislature, God. Lord, I pray for all of the turmoil that our leadership in this country and our state have been through. God, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your spirit. I pray for your direction. God, I pray for reconciliation. I pray for restoration, God. I pray that in the name of Jesus, God, that your hand is upon them right now. If they don't know you as Savior, oh, draw them. Bring them to a place of surrendering their lives to you, God. Let them be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to you, God. Glory to your holy name. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise your holy name. Glory, glory. Glory to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I pray for Casa de Amor in El Salvador. I pray for our orphanage there. God, I pray that you will touch every child. God, I pray for those children that you have marked and have destined to come and under the umbrella and to be a part of the ministry. That God, that you will open up doors. That God, that you will open up doors of provision. That God, that you will just touch Roxanna and the leadership. God, that you will just give them encouragement. God, in the middle of the most difficult of circumstances, God. 
Lord, that you will move upon them. Touch our missionaries around the world, God, oh, that are dealing with such adverse circumstances. God, I pray, oh, Lord, for your church, that God, not just here, but around the world, that God, you declared that your church, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so today, oh, we intercede and that we declare war against hell. We declare war against Satan and we are storming the gates against every one that he holds prisoner against every one that he holds captive and God Lord let your name proclaim liberty oh to every single soul that is held captive God let there be redemption let there be salvation let there be freedom God in the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah let us come with the Spirit of God. Let us come into your house. Let us come into our prayer closet. Let us come into everything that we do with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to you, Jesus. Glory to you. speaking to us the power of his spirit that is outlined in scripture. So we pause and we ask for the interpretation, for the edification and instruction of his body. So as God gives you that interpretation, share that. Why do you fear, asks the Lord. Why do you question events, says the Lord? Have I not promised you that I am with you even to the end of the age, declares the Lord? Have I not promised you that I am forever faithful? Turn to me this day and every day, regardless of your feelings and what surrounds you. Turn and trust me. Look to me and to me alone, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God thanks for his spirit, for his word. God, right now, Lord, we are reminded. That you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So right now, God, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke every spirit of fear that comes against your people. And we stand firm on you, your name, your word. And God, we hold on to the promise. That you declared that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And that you would be with us all the way to the end. All the way to the end. 
maybe we've drifted away from you. And so, God, we come running back this morning. We come running back to you. Declaring, God, we're sorry. We're sorry. God, bless the people. Bless each and every family here this morning. Let us not just say family, but let us live that out. And how we talk, how we act, how we live, how we pray. We are family, Lord. And so we pray, we intercede, we stand in the gap for one another, for our community, for our nation, and for our world. Bless the people as they leave this place. Let us walk and carry the Spirit of God with us everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you give God a hand clap of praise for His goodness, His grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to you, Jesus. Glory. I'm thankful back in God's house. Amen. Amen. We will be back again in God's house Wednesday night. Youth, kids, Bible study with Tina and I. Don't miss it. Be here. And of course, next Sunday, don't miss it. And on two weeks from today, Evangelist Bill Lee will be with us. Don't miss it.